0: (laughs) (laughs)
1: you're
0: listening to the next podcast welcome your host, Ted Shuttlesworth, because if you're ready for revelation and impartation and every other Asian, that's going to take you to the next Deviation. level. <laughs> Deviation. <laughs> and, oh, gosh.
2: Guys, welcome back to the next. I'm here with Jordan, of course, and we are here with your host, Ted
0: Shuttlesworth Jr. I will walk
1: out right now this <laughs> podcast. Good. Close, I will leave.
0: Close the door behind you because okay. the AC needs to run. <laughs> it's hard. Like, it's, it's expensive.
1: Is, are, is this a serious podcast? is this actually uh, this is a real people listen to this it's
0: kind of like a comic relief to be honest it's it? kind of just yeah we're it's just this jewish couple and it's just you know
1: well they just well, those of you because it's not a, i know it's only an audio podcast but I, the only reason i'm asking is they brought me into like a brick uh alleyway where there's just two mics set up and a guy with, in, in a garbage can yeah uh, yeah you see a, yes
0: last time we recorded with matt and kelly we were on my bed actually that's yeah. weird in, yeah, yeah Crisscross, cross applesauce, yeah. no socks on, and the,
1: the, the lights were off. Well, the weirdest thing of all of that is the socks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we're, I can deal with the bread. That's a long mics. story. That's a long story. Yeah, the story. socks, it freaks me out.
0: Yeah, yeah. We, got, we got a donation from some old dude on the exactly. side of the road last week. So I love hearing we... Matt
1: sing. I don't want to see his feet. No.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, we have two mics now. We were on a talking
0: stick last yes, week. Yeah, see so that? We... Yeah.
1: Yeah, we passed it around. It was a lot of fun. The passing yeah. around. Was, <laughs> takes trust to give up the talking stick. I did. Yeah. I did.
0: I had to work. The Lord dealt with pride in my life. So now we're here. <laughs> We've got too much. We're here. <laughs> oh, my. You're learning to share. That's it. No, I, I've, I've grown so much over this last week. It's quite incredible. It's quite. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> Just when Jordan thought he couldn't share. <laughs> the talking stick of December 2021. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I thought you could read my credit card details out. I was for a second. I was like, "Oh gosh!" No, we'll, we'll
1: post that in the description. No, I'm not one of those prophets. <laughs> oh, oh, okay.
0: Okay. So, so, so today with us we have we have Ted Charles with obviously Ted Charles with is the uh, the founder of uh, Miracle Word University. Um, it's a pretty awesome ministry that pretty much travels around America right now, and I mean the rest of the world as well. I'm not going to shortchange you on that. Um, Except for COVID, will. But you know, <laughs> <laughs> as far as as far as the stuff you're doing, I think it's pretty incredible. You obviously have your own podcast, so if anyone's
1: listening and, and wants something, um, you post pretty much once a day, right? Once a day, it's available on my MySpace page. Um, no, kidding. MySpace. <laughs> <It's> a- MySpace. <laughs> Cause, like, we find out that Ted has oh, uh, an OnlyFans account. You, too. you can get it on Friendster. Um, <laughs> this generation doesn't know MySpace. <laughs> no, MySpace <Yeah. laughs> old school. Um, it was like one of the first social media networks. No, so, it's it's available on all podcast platforms. We post Monday through. Friday, uh because we, we're you know we're broadcasting every day through the week.
0: Hmm. Wow, it's a lot, yeah. it's a lot of content. But I will I will say this, it's phenomenal content, a lot of really, really practical points. I listen to them almost every day. So I I love them. I think they're fantastic. I think it's a fantastic ministry to partner with as well. Appreciate um, that. What I would say though is um you do you do a lot. You do a lot, a lot of traveling, a lot of speaking. You're also an author, you write books, you do all kinds of crazy stuff. Um I kind of want to know where this started. I kind of want to know, you know, take me back to the beginning. I mean, We know from history we can really see where a lot of these false prophets fall off the rails. How did you begin? Where did you start?
2: <laughs> <laughs> How did you become a false I prophet? I was born. <laughs> at a young age?
1: I was I was born at a young age. I, um, the... No, somebody. Somebody, somebody, uh, somebody asked me one time, because like, I was doing keto, you know, they were like, and I told them how much I've been losing. They were, like, "What's the thin- What's the what's the lightest you've ever been?" And I was like, eight pounds, eight ounces. Um, but yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, I no, I was born uh, in New England, uh, in Rhode Island, and really started traveling on the road. I'm a third generation uh, minister. My grandfather pastored, and my grandmother for sixty two years. Wow. And uh, they had four sons that are all still to this day in the full-time ministry, pastoring or preaching, evangelizing. Um, And all of their children are in full-time ministry. So something like right now there's something like Eighteen shuttlesworths in full time ministry somewhere <laughs> yeah. somehow. That's a lot um, of shuttlesworths. Yeah, and some they're like Holy Ghost cockroaches. Yeah, I was going to like, <laughs> say it's like everywhere. Yeah, you cut their heads off, they keep going. They keep going. Teddy's sitting
0: on a separate chair to the rest. Yeah, that's right.
1: But it's it's amazing, and and so it's a legacy that I don't take for granted, obviously. But I started traveling with my parents at two weeks old. Obviously not by choice. They took me. Yeah. And uh, but for my, for my for they didn't lock like, you in a crate like your dog. I wasn't like your dog. I was like at two two weeks old. Like Dad, I'd like to go on this trip. I would like um, to, you know
0: what? I'd like to hear the word. <laughs> please don't
1: leave me home by myself as you go on the trip. Um, but no, two weeks old, we start, I started traveling with my with my dad, and mom, and uh, really my entire life until I left for Bible school, I was on the road full time. Um, probably as you can tell, I was homeschooled for most of my <laughs> life and just just because I of the way to, you look. Yeah. Just, that's that's I have a very homeschooled <laughs> face. Um and then I went to public high school, which was a a big change, but um I enjoyed it. But there even there, you know, it was awesome. I mean, the Lord was able to use me. We had a Bible club in our public high school wow. which had uh around 600 students in it. Really? So we we would actually have services. No way. Yeah, in a public awesome. high school. Um, the club was so big that we had to use the auditorium of the high school to hold the services. Hmm. And so, um, uh, I don't know if it was like my junior and senior year, I got, I got to become the president of the, of the Bible club. So they allowed me to basically ask any guest speaker in that I wanted to speak at the public high school. And so I would have like my youth pastor come in, my pastor, other, other Pentecostal preachers. And we would have like a praise and worship and then a full-out message and altar call in a public high school uh, as a teenager. And so I saw kids. And one of the cool things, I put this in one of my books, is that when I came back from Bible school, I think between the two years I was away, they asked me if I would come speak at that same Bible club after I graduated. And I went back in. And uh, basically, I still to this day remember I preached on uh, don't make God vomit is what I preached on wow. from Revelation 3.16. Uh, because you're neither hot or cold, I'll spew you out of my mouth. And I basically... You should have seen... Because you know, every club in a public high school has to be sponsored by a teacher, or else they can't have the club. Like, okay. a teacher has to sponsor the club. So... Um, well, like, a, like it's, it's student led, but the teachers have to be there. Obviously the chaperone, you can yeah, just yeah, like yeah. in there by yourself
0: <laughs> make your own Yeah, make you uncalled. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so
1: it's, it's Um. you should have seen the teacher's faces that were like That's in the Bible me. club. Cause it was like, I was going hard. I was like, yeah, I was like, you know, God is saying here, he would respect you more if you were cold than if you're lukewarm. I was like, so you have to kind of pick, like, you can't be like on the fence, like yeah. saying you're a Christian, but like just not living for God. I was like, if you're gonna be cold, be all the way cold. I, I was like, you should have seen their faces. Cause like, I was like, if you're gonna drink, get drunk, like, get as drunk as you can get. If you're gonna do drugs, overdose. If you're gonna have sex before marriage, catch STDs. Like, I was, I was like going hard, like, in, in the message. Bruh. And like, I was just going hard, like, God will respect you more if you're just like openly a sinner yeah. instead of pretending you're gonna be a Christian, but not really truly living for Him. And uh, I preached hard, but I was like, "But if you're going to go for God, then you better go hard." Like I went, I went off, and then, um, you know, there was like 600 kids in there, and I remember like at the end of all that, I gave an altar call for salvation, and you know, like no one moved. Like it was like no one moved in the auditorium, and uh, I was I, I was like embarrassed. It was like man, I came back from Bible school, did my thing, and like no fruit from it, and uh, I was ready to quickly close in prayer and like run out of the school and like go home. And the Lord was like, no, like leave it open. Leave the leave the altar call open. Let me work on people for a few minutes. And so I just left it open. I'm standing up on, on the platform. All of a sudden, this girl, like the one you wouldn't expect to get out of her seat, she was like this gothic dressed girl, like all black, black nails, black makeup, black everything. Wow. Try to look like a witch, probably. Got out of her seat, first one to stand up, came to the altar at the high school and like bowed her head and started crying. And like after she did, like they flooded to the altar. There was probably in that service like over 200 kids that gave their heart to the Lord in public high school in one day. And um, so being unashamed and then just going hard after it. And then from there on, you know, I I went to Bible school at the age of 18. I just turned 18 and moved a thousand miles away from my family uh, and went to school for two years at Rama, which is Brother Kenneth Hagin's school. But when I graduated, I started going full time ministry right off the bat, and um, I was traveling. And then the Lord spoke to me to um, move to Virginia Beach, which is about eight hours, almost seven and a half hours, from where I was in West Virginia, and um, and help my uncle pla- uh, plan a church, Pioneer Church. And so that's where I I basically spent uh, the next really eight to nine years of my ministry as an associate pastor, youth pastor, music director graphics, television, all of that stuff, and learned all the skills really necessary. Uh, and I, I can see clearly what God was doing, not just allowing me to receive teaching and impartation, but really I gained every skill necessary for you know, pushing the ministry that God would give me in the future forward. You know, Being able to do everything from websites to audio to video and everything, um, which was huge. And then dealing with people and then I felt to launch out. And that's where I met my wife, by the way. Carol and I met at that church. And, um, you know, I've told the story before. You know, she I, I, she didn't even live in, in Virginia. She lived in Florida. And her parents did. And she came up to visit like one weekend. And I was leading worship when she came in the back of the church. And I was like, done. She like walked in the back looking so fine. I was like, oh, my Lord Jesus. I, was up, I, I, saw, I saw her like from the platform during Praise and Worship. And I was like, hard eyes emoji. And um, <laughs> she she came and sat down next to her parents, and I was like, you know, creepily eyeing her. And then after the service, like the next, they left, I guess, to go to lunch. And then the next week, they came back, and she wasn't there. And I was like, hey, so who was that girl sitting next to you last week? And they're like, oh, yeah, that was our daughter. And I was like, oh. I was like, well, uh, <laughs> I really uh, I wanted to say hi to her, meet her. And they were like, yeah. They were like into it, too. They're like, we wanted you to meet her. And so uh-huh. the Lord. next time she visited, uh-huh. our pastor called her out and gave her a word. And she's crying. And she felt in her spirit to move from Florida up to Virginia, which she did. And then, of course, we uh, ended up getting together. The funny thing was, is that when I, I was making the decision, like, whether or not, uh, you know, when you're, here's the deal, for those of you that are listening. If you <laughs> <Okay>. are... <coughs> Buckle
0: your seatbelts. <laughs> if you
1: are... In the ministry, especially as a young person, if you're a single person that's doing ministry, uh, just a little tidbit here, you can't be dating everybody in the church. Like, you know, (laughs) if you're the associate pastor, it's not cool to date like 10 girls. Uh, (laughs) Nine is fine. Ten is not Oh, yeah, okay. No. Uh, no. So, you know, I wasn't going to.
2: (laughs) It's like COVID social distancing. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah,
1: six feet is okay, but five is not. Five, don't do it. It's danger. Will Robinson. So, I um, I you know I wasn't gonna be like just dating or whatever, but I really liked her, and I was like, you know what? If this is it, because I'd had a relationship that really, it didn't really work in the past. It was like a Bible school relationship, and it, it just didn't work out. And um, so, and I, and you thought it would. Everything was supposed to work. You know, both in Bible school, both studying for ministry, it just didn't work. But I recognized that the mistake that I made for those of you listening. Uh, the, the mistake that I made with the Bible school relationship is that I didn't consult the Lord about any decisions. I didn't pray, didn't fast, didn't be led. I wasn't led by the spirit, all those things. I just decided, hey, this will be a good idea. Bad move. And so it, it ended poorly, you know, and that you don't want it. You don't want that's not the direction you want to go. The Lord is interested in every aspect of your life and yeah. especially your relationships, which can make or break you. And especially a marriage relationship. I mean, our generation is far too flippant with our dating and marriage relationships. You know, well, if it doesn't work, we can just get separate. That's not God's plan. And you can destroy your life with wrong relationships. Hmm. And so it it is important, you know, pray and fast. Ask the Lord. He will speak to you. He will guide you in in relationships. So that's what I did. It was like, uh, it was Good Friday through Easter Sunday of 2005 and I was like, you know what? I'm going to fast and pray. And and if uh, if she's the one, I'll wait for the Holy Spirit to tell me. And if he does, I'll go hardcore. And if not, then I'm just, I'm done. I'm not going to pursue her anymore or whatever.
3: Yeah.
1: Doesn't mind how fine she looks in skinny jeans. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I probably should have. Well, had you
0: like clearly a, can English very good. Yes. So. <laughs>
1: no, I probably should have uh, had like a restraining order against me. But anyway. Um <laughs> <laughs> I so I, see Jordan of, doesn't know how to talk
2: when these no things
1: I, come up. Yeah, <laughs> I just can't <laughs> English, dude. Really? No. Yeah. What does that mean? No, don't worry. <laughs> I don't know. How, you what don't, you it don't means. want to explain? No. No, no, we will. What does it mean to not English well?
2: To not Eng- it, it means he has no words. Yeah, just no words. No, no words. Okay, no he, words. He can't English. Well, I had he just, the words. You just stare really awkwardly
1: <laughs> at the girl. You've I, heard that happen? He
2: tends to go to this one line and he just goes, I play drums. <laughs> I, I play drums. I play <laughs> drums.
0: <laughs> so this is the backstory behind that. Before, before this gets later before, than it man. needs to be. Right. Hey girl, I, was, I play drums. <laughs> so I started playing drums like a year and a half ago, two years ago, whatever. Somehow got dragged into this whole thing and then ended up on live TV um, playing drums. And I was like, what the heck is Jordan even doing? He barely knows how to play drums. Yeah. And uh, so I start doing this. The next thing, I ended up loving it. I'm like, wow, I really enjoy worshiping. I really enjoy it. So I started practicing at home. I got better and better at it, not to the point where I'm fantastic or anything, but to where I actually enjoyed it. I wasn't scared to death to play drums in front of people. So we we came down. Then I got offered kind of a full-time position playing here for Faith TV. And I was like, all right, you know, sure, I'll try that. Literally like three days into playing here, someone came to the studio to watch for the first time. And this, it was someone's mom or whatever from our local church came to watch, and she's like, "Oh my gosh, I didn't know you play drums and this, like, you're amazing and whatever." And of course, I'm like, "I have played drums privately for the last year. I have never played in front of people. This is like my third day playing. I'm like, what the heck's going on?" So I don't know how to take compliments for one. Like you guys know, for well, I can't take compliments. I it's I, not easy
1: to take a compliment.
0: It's just I know, and when you're this well, perfect, it's like it's so it's, it's so normal hard. to take them, but I just don't know how. It's true.
1: It's true. By the <laughs> way, I did you, wanna, when you're this perfect. No, I did <laughs> want to. I did want to <laughs> congratulate you though for being able to land me on your podcast. Yeah. Uh, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like,
0: yeah. We. Yeah. Um, so played. next week's episode, we'll be talking about pride, and then we're gonna. <laughs> but um, so anyway, so I'm like I'm sitting there. right, and so I just finished playing this this set when we we had a great time, whatever. So I get off, and she's like, Oh my god like you play so well, I didn't even know you played drums because obviously I would not advertised that I played drums at all. And um, she's like, you should come play for the church and you should play for the youth and you should do all this stuff. And I was like, I was so overwhelmed. I looked away and I panicked and I I, turned to my side and I was like, what the heck do I say? Like I've ne- I don't know what to do right now, and the worst part is there were lunch. more than just one person in the room. So I was like I was like, and now there's awkward silence. And now sitting here like, oh gosh, what is Jordan gonna say? And I turned around and I meant to say thank you, but the only words that came, <laughs> <laughs> the only words that came out my mouth were I, I play drums. <laughs> you play
1: drums really well. You should complete our youth I play drums. <laughs> I play drums. Yeah. I played drum. <laughs> exactly
0: the happens. drum. <laughs> <laughs> I, go, I play the drum for you <laughs> i got that I, I yeah no i have rhythm okay. i play the drum oh man no it's weird I'm, i mean you know i still you, have two left feet even though i play drums so it's, it's fine.
1: It is important to be able to respond to others in conversation yeah as a, you know a civilized individual huh <laughs> um okay.
2: we're, we're gonna keep praying for Jordan yeah. on this topic okay.
1: well you know you don't want to say the wrong thing you know it's it's yeah, exactly. uh <laughs> you know my cousin jonathan by the way had a great uh you know, he was al- he's always been great at at responses, at responding as well to like, even if he's in hot water, he's just got great. Re- we, we were at our, at our church in Virginia. He was living there at the time. And there was a, a, a girl in our, our choir. I think that she'd had several uh, babies, but she, you know, she had, you know, a little bit of a, a tummy. And uh, and so we're, they're walking out of the sanctuary. No lie. And this this and she's so nice. She came up to my cousin and she goes, Jonathan, because he was traveling as an evangelist. So he was in town at that moment. And she goes, It's so nice to have you back in town and so nice to see you at church and everything. And they were the last two people in the sanctuary. And he goes, Oh, thank you very much. When is your baby due? Oh. To her like that. And she was so she went, Oh, she went, Oh, I'm not pregnant. And he without like missing a beat, he went, I wasn't talking to you. There was no one else in the sanctuary. <laughs> and no. then he just left. <laughs> and she went, oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> I wasn't talking to you. I wasn't, I was, uh, Smallest Bluetooth in my ear ever made. You can't even see it. I'm on a phone call. You, um, but no, it's important to be able to respond. Um, so, no, I had the words because after I got that green light in prayer on Easter Sunday... I called her up.
0: So wait, what did what did the what did the green light look like then?
1: The green light? Yeah. Was it physically green?
0: Was it was it like a, a rainbow with a, a saber-toothed tiger running off the end? Was it with There's this it,
1: yeah. there's a there's a thing called colloquialisms. These are uh, phrases or examples and analogies that have been developed within cultures that have an understood meaning. A green light means to go, to be able to go. And in our culture, because in traffic, a green light means to go, we use the phrase green light as a colloquialism uh, in order to say we got the go-ahead, if you will. Or, uh, you know, that shit. So, Wait, I'm trying to articulate that information. Yes. Just uh, Can you elaborate a little bit more? Sure. If in times of traffic... no. Uh, yes, that's what. Hey,
2: Faith, go ahead and mute Jordan's mic. (laughs) So, so
1: when I got that green light, if you will, to be able to move forward with freedom, if you will, um, first thing I did was call, I called her up. I was like, where are you at? What are you doing? Um, and she was like, I'm at work. I said, what time do you get off work? And she told me, and I said, well, I'm going to come pick you up. Let's go do something. Let's go out. It was our very first like date date. And, um, so she was like, yeah, no problem. And I was so excited for this, you know? I was so excited that I drove to where she was to to pick her up from her work. And she was a server at the time. I didn't even let her change like out of her shirt, like of the restaurant shirt, anything. I was like so excited to just go out with her. So I stopped and like got a rose and waited by the car. You know, the awkward moments where you figure like, what pose by the car should I be standing in? Like hands on the hood. Puts puts a hand on the roof. I can fit so many. Yeah, one (laughs) hand on the roof two hands on the trunk like you're getting <laughs> frisked. I mean, what do you do? Um, should the rose go between my teeth as I'm staring into her eyes? Put, I don't know.
0: Puts one hand on each on each mirror, laying across the top of the hood. <laughs> it could be that. Rose in, in between toes. <laughs> Leg, legs crossed. <laughs> applesauce, crisscross,
1: so applesauce on the roof doing the Buddha pose. So I just chose a normal standing by the car pose oh. uh, very safely. And she came out and... Um, and she she was like, oh man, you're not even gonna let me go change. I was like, I'm not wasting one minute, girl. And, and, and no, but we went we went straight out, went to maybe I think we went to a movie. I took her to a very nice restaurant uh, we have here in the states. I don't know you might be watching from around the world. We have a very nice restaurant here in the states called IHOP. Um, we went there. I said you can get anything you want off page one, and uh, just make sure it's less than five dollars. And she she did, and. Um, we just talked on it. But so here's the weird thing. When you have uh, the leading of the Holy Spirit, the instructional Holy Spirit, you can confidently make decisions, move forward and not be afraid of the consequences in that one night. No lie. Uh, as I was dropping her back off at the at her car at, her, at, at the restaurant parking lot, I said like, you know, before she left, I was like. I went into this whole thing, which would, don't do this. Don't do this. If so you're you are,
0: only giving the disclaimer now. We're, yeah, we're doing, like 25 minutes listen, in and you're going to do this disclaimer. Listen,
1: don't do this. If you don't have the leading of the Holy Spirit, please don't be this person. But I told her like in the car, like, I was like, you know what? I love you. I'm in love with you. I believe we're going to get married. We're going to have children together. We're going to travel the world, minister the gospel. I said it all on the first date in the car, like before I dropped her at her car. and like she's just like looking at me and I'm telling her all this stuff. like you know all and, and you know, when I was done saying all of it, she was like, "I know. She knew by confirmation in her spirit. If you're that person and the person doesn't know, you're going to jail. <laughs> yes. uh, don't be that like Bible school guy that's never even talked Before to a Before you girl. use
0: anything that's in this podcast, please
1: be, <laughs> please yeah. be advised that
0: everything Kit Shuttles would say is not liable to keep you in jail. It's like, you but may or may not end up with
1: <laughs> the side <laughs> effects, <laughs> the
0: side side effects. Side um, effects include drowsiness, diarrhea, and possibly jail time. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but in all reality, like there are Bible school guys that will literally never have talked to a girl once, buy a ring.
0: Oh my God! Kneel
1: down in front of me like the Lord spoke to me that we're supposed to be married. It's like you're just a nut job. Like you need a like a padded room and a straitjacket. jacket. But um, yeah, I'm telling you, there's nut jobs. Um, But I didn't do that. I mean, I, I'd met her before. We'd been out. We'd in groups, and you know, we'd talked plenty and talked on the phone and everything. So, but I knew in my spirit, and she had confirmation in her spirit as well. And uh, of course, we got married begin you know we had we now we have three children we travel and so the start really is that I started by serving others and I think that's the way to start successfully is you know I I served my father growing up for my whole life I served him uh, when we traveled I even shined his shoes I would work his product table when I was a teenager and a kid and you know sell his books and back then we had cassette tapes And uh, all of that, just just doing all of that. And then when you have small opportunities, being faithful to do your very best for the Lord in those opportunities, Uh, speaking at my youth group or, you know, whatever it might be, making sure that you're faithful in those moments that come to you. You know, I think one of the ways that God knows you're ready uh, for greater opportunities is the level of faithfulness you've given in the opportunities that you've currently had. Mm-hmm. And that's where the principle from the scripture comes that, you know, if you're faithful over a little, he'll make you ruler over much in Matthew 25. Uh, you'll never go beyond your last place of faithfulness is basically the key. I, I remember this, you know, there's people that want big things in life. They've not even been faithful with small things in life. Yeah. How are you going to, how is that going to even work? It, it's not going to work. That's why like if you did the study on this, if you went to look at people and did it let's say you did research on what happened in people's lives who have won major lotteries, most of the time it destroys them. Yeah. Exactly. Because they can't handle that level of success because it was not their character or discipline that brought them there. Yeah. Yeah. It was luck. And so it thrusts them into a place that they can't handle. Mm -hmm. You know, their their own mind can't handle it. You know, many of those people they end up in uh, greater debt, if you can believe it. Yeah. Uh, addicted to drugs, their family won't speak to them. I mean, all kinds of problems. Yeah, and it's because they weren't brought there by their own discipline and character; it was by luck. Mm-hmm. And see, the point that I'm making today is this: Let's. I'll give you a story. When I when I first started to drive, I really wanted a nice new car. Uh, my parents were smart enough not to buy me one. And uh, someone had blessed, quote unquote, if you can't see me, I'm in the studio making finger air quotes right now, (laughs) around the word blessed. Someone had blessed- Forensic Papa is making air quotes. Papa. (laughs) So I, I, literally, I'm making air quotes (laughs) around the word blessed, because someone blessed our family with a minivan. It was like an Aerostar minivan, uh, like a 1980s, it was like- ugly gray with maroon interior. Mm. The primary color of the car was Bondo and <clears throat> bumper stickers. <laughs> it was nasty. <laughs> and I'm I'm like pretty sure that the that the van was demon possessed. Because <laughs> when you would drive it, the radio would come on and change stations without you touching any buttons and then it would just go off. There's like a spirit in the car <laughs> mm-hmm. that I never exercised. With I those just, colors. Yeah. Well exactly. <laughs>
0: Someone's listening. They were like, I have that.
1: <laughs> I yeah. Have that. We sold it to you. <laughs> um, and so They're like the
0: radio still does that.
1: <laughs> it, it, it was, it was weird. It would do that and all kinds of stuff. And I, you know, I hated the look of the minivan. First of all, who wants to drive a minivan? And you know, sorry to any of you yeah, was, listening. Uh, drive Adam minivans. <clears throat> uh, we're oh not, bad. uh, we don't oh want bad. to say your name sorry, out sure. loud, but all those minivan drivers. Oh, <laughs> let me give you a side story. That'll help you. Um, When I was in Bible school, I don't know if this will help you or not, but it's just good podcast material. I was, I was in Bible school and to go out to Bible school, I had to get my, my stuff out there, all my clothes, whatever I was going to take furniture. And so my mom had a minivan at that time that was newer. It was a Chevy venture. And, um, so we, we, I pile it up, but in order to get all my stuff out there, I had to take all the seats out except the two front bucket seats so that we could fit the gear in the back. And then drive it to Oklahoma. So I'm the dude in Bible school that drives the minivan with no seats in the back. <laughs> yeah. So then, this is the best part of it, I was part of the worship team. And um, they found a church that it was associated with our church somehow that was in a place about an hour and something away from where we lived in Tulsa. And they were like, Ted, would you take several other guys that are like uh, musicians and be the praise and worship team for that church. There's a new pastor that just took over. He needs a worship team. So I had to leave every morning from my apartment on Sunday at like 5 AM, go pick up all the other guys from around Tulsa in my van and drive an hour and something to do sound check and do praise and worship at this church. Well, I thought, Hey, I'll be a nice guy. You know, I know it's early in the morning for people, so I'll just, you know, so what I did to be nice to the band was I I, uh, I put a mattress in the back of the minivan so they could all sleep on the drive, you know, as we're going out. But then, not thinking about it, I also started dating a girl and uh, in Bible school. And it was like, uh, her, she was like, hey, my parents are in town. I'd really like you to meet them. I was like, yeah, I'd like to meet them too. And so I went over to pick her up, you know, with her parents there. And they walk up to meet me, and there I am. The boyfriend of her their daughter, with my minivan, with a mattress in the back of the minivan. It's the guy you don't want to be. Anyway, there's no spiritual principle behind that story other than don't be stupid. Don't show up to the parents'
2: house with a mattress in the back. Wisdom, please.
1: You heard that, Adam? Hear that, Adam Beattie? But before... <laughs> but, He'll love it. <laughs> we just lost a follower. <laughs> Maybe it's just the conviction of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> it could be. It's his prophetic word for Adam. Yeah. Uh, if you'd like to support this podcast, Adam, check out their Patreon. Um, but... <laughs> No, but seriously,
0: for ten dollars I will carry your name around in my Bible, go the whole Just week. pray for you.
1: Yeah, um, you know, it's like crazy. Ca- he's he's like, why wham right
2: now? So I hope he hears this before he goes to the parents' house. Yeah, uh, you yeah. better, yeah. Adam. You better hear this. Yeah, let it
1: resonate deep within your spirit. Um, but seriously, that was the second car that I got to drive and use. But the first one was the gray demon possessed minivan. We'll call it demon van. So Demon Van, uh, even though I knew. See, I knew the principal back then as a teenager. I'm never going to get anything nicer if I can't even take care of Demon Van. And so I would drive Demon Van and fill it up with gas after I'd used it. Keep Demon Van full of gas. You love Demon Van. I love Demon Van. And I would bring it down into the yard. I would get a bucket of soapy water with a sponge and wash Demon Van. And I would wash the tires and the rims. I wanted Demon Van to look as nice as it could, you know, in its current state, but know that I was going to be a faithful steward of Demon Van. You know, how would I, you know, for example, just parenthetically, how was I ever going to get Angel Van if I couldn't (laughs) even take care of Demon Van? And that's, that's basically where I was at. And so, you know, it's always been that way. You know, it's always been that way for me is that, you know, you have to take care of things. You have to be a steward. God's looking for stewards, people that will be faithful with what he's already put in their hands. Mm-hmm. You know, there's people that talk about, they want to go to the nations and preach the gospel. You've not even won your next door neighbor to Jesus. Yeah. Like why would God give you a national platform if you won't even win your neighbor to Jesus? It's it's all about faithfulness in the current level in which you stand. So, That's so good. It really, it really is that, and the problem, in my opinion, as we're trying to shift this in, this uh, ever increasingly dangerous ship of this podcast episode from <laughs> destruction back on track, is is uh, it's like hey, look, the rudder is broken, <laughs> and we're just doing circles. We're just on the ride, guys. Yeah. Uh, but, we'll get but, there eventually. <laughs> tossed to and fro in the storm, it's kind of driven and tossed. But but Living truthfully um you know when you when you think about it what let's ask ourselves this question because I think this is where it's at and I think this explains where we want to go with the podcast is what causes people uh to be in a place where they just refuse to be faithful with their with what's been given them uh what's with, with what's in their hand with what's in their life currently because anybody could just say oh lack of discipline it's because they have a lack of discipline but understand something, uh, lack of discipline, in my opinion, and you, you can chime in on this. If you want, I'll let you speak on my podcast. Uh, <laughs> lack of discipline to me is a side effect. It's not a root. And I'll show you what I mean by that. Lack of discipline is a side effect, not a root meaning lack of discipline is not really the problem. There's a lot of people that have lack of discipline, but it's not because they have a lack of discipline to me. And, and listen very closely to those that are listening to the podcast. This is so this is like life alteringly important. Lack of dis Everybody preaches discipline. You know, you can go buy a Jocko Willink book and you know, have him tell you to wake up at five in the morning or make your bed or whatever. There's anybody that can preach to you self-discipline. But if you don't have a reason to be self-disciplined, mm-hmm. then no one will. Yeah. Self-discipline is a side effect of people who don't have vision. Yeah. That's the issue. If you don't have vision, what's the point of self-discipline? You don't need to mm. discipline for anything. I was talking to a guy that got drafted by the Pittsburgh Steelers, the NFL football team, and he said nope. it was the end of, um, it was the end of uh, August. That is my favorite ba- the basic basketball team. That would be a football team, Jordan. <laughs> yeah. uh, but truthfully, he, it was like the end of summer. I think we were at the end of July, and he was getting ready to go to training camp for, for the Steelers. And I was very interested about this one point. He was in an excellent shape, very young guy. I, and I was like, "Dude, how do they treat you? Like, for example, they 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 contracted you to play this position on the Steelers, and you're this age, you're this height." I said, "You know, you've got like all the off season off." I said, "What do they do if you come back to camp and you're like way overweight or like underweight?" Even I was like, "You know, how do they, how do they deal with that?" And he said, well, for example, they uh, based on my age, my height, and the position they've hired me to play, they give me a trainer and an eating plan. And he said, this is how it works. If I come back to camp and I'm like, he said, there is like a grace period of like two pounds light or two pounds heavy. He said, but for every pound that I'm over that, they find me thousands of dollars because they know exactly what I should be to be at my prime at that position, at that, at my age, at this height. He said, so like, if I'm a wide receiver and I'm this height, I got to be this weight or within two pounds of it. He said, because that's, they know that's the optimal weight for that age and that position to to perform. And so what does that provide for him? A vision. I am a wide receiver. I am six foot tall. I should be 180 pounds. That's what I need to be. So... There's your vision. So the self discipline follows that vision. So, what you do eat or don't eat, the discipline of it is based on the goal of your vision, right? It's like for you, you know, I've talked to you, Jordan, uh, the goals that you've had even financially, or anybody may have financially. It's like if this is where I want to head financially in my life, it will determine what I do buy or don't buy now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to go out and spend my money on stuff because I like stuff if my goal is to save it to invest in something else. You know, you have to put what the, the supply you've been currently given has to be properly used to carry out the goals you have planned. self disciplines not the problem. It's the lack of vision that causes people to perish, the Bible says. Where there is no vision, people perish. The reason that our generation needs a wake-up call is because nobody has truly imparted vision to them. Yeah, One of the, the most dangerous things that happened to the United States of America, and maybe even Europe and uh, areas like South Africa, is that the uh, it, it's this thought process of seeker-sensitive churches, Yeah, mm-hmm. where you've got churches that don't teach against sin, they don't preach things that are doctrinal or heavy, because, oh no, we just need people to fill the seats. And if you start getting into deep doctrinal teaching, that's above people's heads and then they don't come to church. And what's more important to us is entertaining people so that they'll come to church so that we can fill the seats so that we can pay the mortgage because we have a building we can't afford, you know, and that's what it becomes. How do we fill the seats? Oh, by giving them more entertainment. But that's a problem because what you're what you're really doing is you're raising a generation of malnourished believers. It would be like if you only fed your babies cherry pie because that's what they love. Well, he eats it every time I feed him that. He just cleans his plate. But when I give him vegetables, he spits them out. Yeah, yeah, but he needs the vegetables. Mm -hmm. See, it's like, and that's what a good parent does. That's what a good pastor does. That's what a good church does, is that they don't malnourish the believers. And the reason we're in the state we're in now with many Christians and this hyper-grace movement that's really been a cancer on the body of Christ is because there's not been proper vision preached to the generations. So what you're seeing happen is, especially now, uh, this blows my mind. But if you look at statistics, uh, the generation that's like after mine, like your generation doesn't want a club looking church or like all that. Do you know what they found statistically Pew research group found this out that the average, uh, under millennial, like Gen Y or whatever you might say, Gen Z, yeah, yeah, they want churches that look like churches. So it's crazy. The desire is going back to like stained glass and steeples, <laughs> like liturgical church. It, it makes sense kind of too because kids always like rebel against what their parents had. So like my generation and just older – our peer, our parents were a liturgical church like stained glass and steeples and altars and communion tables and then the generation after is like no we want a club church and the lights and the fog machines and the you know but then our kids are like that's what my parents did that whole club church and they're like now it's yeah. again flipped but it, it's funny yeah. to me that like people want to go back and maybe you guys have seen this there's a huge huge resurgence in the young generation body of Christ into reformed Calvinism. Hmm. I don't know if you've seen that, but reformed Calvinism has taken off like a fad again amongst young people in my, why in my opinion, in my opinion, it's because it's given them vision again, fresh vision. It's because churches wouldn't teach them doctrine for 20 years. And now doctrine has become appealing to young people because it provides them with vision. And they're like, yeah, now we understand what we believe. Yeah. Do you know one of the biggest things that uh, defines millennials, Gen Y, and Gen Z is that they want to know why? Yeah. Yeah. That they, well, why? Why do we do it that way? Like, yeah. they, well, we've done it that way for 50 years. Why, did you, why do we do it that way? Why do we have to work in a cubicle? Why can't we work from home? The internet provides us all these things. Why can't we do it from a laptop at the beach? Why, you know, that's the question that all millennials, Gen Y, postmodernism has caused us to ask. Why? And that's a question the church wouldn't answer for 25 years. They gave us entertainment, wouldn't give us doctrine. Exactly. And so we raised a whole generation of believers that don't even know why they believe what they believe. So here's the question for those of you listening. Why would anyone feel urgency to carry out the vision of God if they don't even know why they believe what they believe? Yeah. Why, if, if we don't even understand the, uh, the coming rapture of the church, if we don't understand end times, if we don't understand the, the curse and danger of sin, if we don't understand what it does to people because we don't know the word, that means we're visionless. So why would we have any urgency to do anything God's called us to do without the vision? And that's what happened with entertainment church. It was all about feel good. Yeah, like, man, exactly. I went to church and I feel good. Yeah, but you're not doing anything. Yeah. You don't do yeah. anything. Nobody's, you don't win souls. You don't heal yeah. the sick. You don't cast out devils. You don't even live for God yourself.
3: Yeah.
1: It, entertainment didn't help anybody. It hurt people. Yeah. And so now they're asking why. So the wake up call that we're talking about, which we are sending out, it, it is time to wake up, but here's why it's time to wake up because there is an urgency in the time in which we're living. Jesus is coming. If you can't look around the world right now and understand that we're living in the final moments of time, uh, just open your Bible and study some Bible prophecy. And you'll see that these are not like any other days uh, that have gone uh, before us. We're living in unprecedented days and times. And the urgency is there like never before. The self-discipline we talked about to be faithful, to ha- that's all going to stem from our generation from understanding the day in which we're living. The urgency we need is going to actually come from understanding where we are. You know, there's no urgency for you to quickly get off the road until you open your eyes wider and see I'm actually standing on the interstate and there's actually an 18 wheeler coming. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like until you understand that you actually, "Oh, I'm just standing somewhere here in Florida." No, I'm standing on the interstate yep. and there's mm-hmm. danger. Until people zoom out their vision and see the danger and understand what's going on, You know, I use this analogy a lot because people think we as Christians, especially Pentecostal Christians are like insensitive to, to, you know, the thought process of today, you know, whatever it might be, how we speak about abortion or the LGBTQ community that we, we call it wrong. doesn't mean we hate the people. I love the people. I don't, there's, I've never met a gay person. I didn't love a lesbian. I didn't love. It's not about me hating people. I'm not a gay basher or hater. I love the people very genuinely. It's about the fact that if you do love someone and you see them doing something that's harmful to their life, you want them to stop it exactly. because you love them. Mm-hmm. I don't care who people have sex with. Why would I care about that? Why would I give a crap if a dude has sex with another dude? It doesn't, doesn't affect my life and I don't care what they do in their own with their why would I care how someone spends their money or their own choices the mm-hmm. fact of their own personal decisions I'm not I don't care about that what I care about is the outcome of their life yeah yeah you know if it was just about the arbitrary decision itself, I don't care you know but when I can see that the decisions will lead them to destruction, you know it's like if somebody said to me, well you're very controlling about where I drive my car." No, it's not that. I just saw you driving your car onto the off-ramp of the interstate against the flow of traffic. You're getting ready to drive your car onto the wrong side of the interstate where trucks and cars are coming at you 80 miles an hour. I don't care where you drive your car. Don't drive it there, though, because it's going to lead you to death. And so And I think the biggest problem with this, with the,
0: the way the church has handled the situation is we've kind of um, compartmentalized sin. And I think that's the biggest thing. So we like there's all this bashing against gays and lesbians and you know open sin. But mm-hmm. the church is perfectly fine with concealed sin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we we see yeah. this and as a generation where I grew up in the church, when I watch this happening, I'm like, oh, okay. So you can't sin openly But you can sin behind closed doors and that's all fine. And then that's when people have a problem with, oh, well, you just hate people like this or you just hate this kind of stuff. No, no, no. It's got nothing to do with the actual act itself. The whole thing is that if people just understood what the consequences of sin were and how you can be set free of it, it would change everyone's perspective. True. Getting the fear of God inside you. I mean, I was talking the other day to someone, the fear of God is not like, and I've heard this preached a hundred million times, like the fear of God and this and that and whatever. The fear of God is simply just understanding that you yourself are a bridge. Your life is a bridge and it's either going to join people to heaven or people to hell. And the only thing that changes that direction is the way that you actually live your life. The way you live your life will determine where other people spend eternity. And that's what the fear of God is because hey, even speaking and coming back to this whole reason of why, why do we do this? Why would, why are you here today to share this? Why am I here today? Because I found purpose I found purpose in wanting to see others come to Jesus and be free of what they are being bound by. I want them to be free of the sin that they're being bound by so that they can find what we've already found. Right. That only Mm. comes from understanding who Jesus is. Of course. And understanding how much he loved us. And the craziest thing is people think that knowing God is enough and coming Mm. to church is enough and attending a church is enough. And then you get to heaven. I don't want to get to heaven and then... See people I knew on their way to hell. I can't, like you said, why do you want to go to China? Why do you want to ask God for a nation if you can't get your next door neighbor saved? Right. Why do you want to, you know, have a 400 kid youth group if you can't talk to your closest friends about God? Yes. Like if you can't live the life that backs up what you say. I mean, we talk about this all the time. It's like, okay, so you say you love Jesus, prove it. Yeah. Actually get out and start doing something. Step out of the boat. And that comes back from the very beginning because that was Jesus' only commandment to us. If you love me, do something about it. Yeah. If you love me, everyone's like, okay, well, just saying I love you. I mean, now I'm not married, but you can, I bet I you could vouch for this. If you, if you got up every morning and sit on Kelly, calendar, like, I love you. And then just carried on. I love you. I love you. I love you. How many times would you say I love you before she starts wondering if you actually do? Cause you don't back it up with any actions. Exactly. But what the Bible right. says is God so loved the world that right. there was a condition to it. There was a second part. And I think so many of us live our entire lives. Without that second part. We live it without the that. And that's the most dangerous thing you can do because Jesus' only commandment to it to us was okay, you say you love me, prove it. Yeah. Right. Obey my commandments. Yeah. What is well, Jesus' that, commandment? That's
1: your that's your you're referencing that John fourteen twenty one. That's what mm-hmm. that's exactly what it says. It says this, and Jesus is speaking by the way. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. Yeah. And he who loves me will be loved by my father. And then I will love him and manifest myself to him. So Jesus is very plain here. John 14, 21, you cannot say you love God or love Christ and not obey him. Yeah. yeah. If you love him, you'll obey him. You'll obey the written word of God. So when you, that, that's the, that's the point I'm making is that that's why I said that the hyper grace movement was such a cancer Uh, Because the hyper-grace movement would teach us that our personal actions do not matter in light of our salvation. That we can just, once we're saved, we can do whatever we want. But his grace has forgiven our past, present, and future sins. You no longer need to repent. I've even heard some teach you don't even need to pray anymore. Uh, That you can just do whatever you want because nothing can separate you from the love of God at that point. It's a lie. If that was even true, Revelation 3 should be thrown out of the Bible when Jesus shows up to the churches in Asia minor and says, I know your works Mm. and you don't love me like you once did. And if you don't go back to what you used to do, I will return and remove your candlestick from among the churches. It's a threat. Jesus would have no right to threaten believers with removal for their actions if their actions didn't matter. And that's not an apostle that said that That's Jesus that said that. And so you can't say, that's why we talk about these things because it's like Dr. Michael Brown wrote a phenomenal book called Can You Be Gay and Christian? Uh, he dealt with that. Uh, a Queer Thing Happened to America, he, he wrote uh, another book. The, the thing is, it's not that we're saying uh, that we hate people that are gay or lesbian or whatever. It's that you can't say that you love God, but then you actively and proudly uh, disobey his commands. It, okay. it, it doesn't work that way. You can't say, well, I really love God, but man, I love to murder. I'm telling yeah. you. Yeah. Like, dude, I love murdering. Like, you can't do that. It's like, and I, and, I don't, and that's, that shouldn't be like revolutionary when you say that on a podcast. Yeah. Right. But in 2020, it is. Yeah. That you can't just say, you know, well, you know, Christians should live like Christians. What a revolutionary thought. Yeah. But that's, you. Ha- you're we're like having to say that to people nowadays. Yeah.
2: You know what's scary is like, The Lord dealt with me on this because not until the beginning of this year did I truly give my life to Christ, but on the outside to most of the world, I still looked like a Christian because I still went to church and did all that. But the Lord recently showed me, he said, look at your secret place now and look how it used to be. I... Do all the same things now that I used to do on the outside. Used to go to all the church, go to all the small groups and all that. But now my secret place where that's where my encounters happen with the Lord, that's my personal time with the Lord where I encounter him, where I hear the voice of him, where he teaches me, corrects me, and gives me that healthy convictions on things I need to get out of my life. That used to be my secret place of sin. And the Lord, I had a buddy that had an uh, encounter with the Lord where he spoke to him where he kind of looked at, someone that was homosexual, a little disgusting and disgusted with it. And the Lord spoke to him as like, why are you doing that when the difference is that he's wearing his, but yours is hidden. I still see yours the same. You're actually just, you're just as ugly with that sin, but yours is behind closed doors. Right. And that's something like how we said, like the church is being too light on, like, you know, just looking at the stuff on the outside. But (laughs) I was on my way to hell. Mm -hmm. No one else saw it, but behind closed doors, right. That I wasn't in the presence of the Lord. I was fully consumed in sin and the sexual immorality. Same thing as someone being homosexuality to mm-hmm. the Lord. It's no different when I'm addicted to pornography or living in sexual immorality in a relationship. I'm behind closed doors doing it. Now, behind closed doors, that's my secret place with the Lord. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, that that's something so important that like I encourage anyone who, you know, if you call yourself a Christian, look at your secret place. Because if I would have had someone tell me that, when I was living in all that sin, it would have been a
1: huge wake-up call. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, you, I guess it's best probably defined. Someone said this, that the, the definition of, is, of integrity is what you do when no one's looking at you. Exactly. It's not what you do in front of people. Yeah. It's what you do when you know you could do something and get away with it and no one would ever know. Mm-hmm. What would you do then? Yeah. You know, what would you do then? And, you know, that, again, that comes from vision like Jordan said, is that, do you have the fear of God? The beginning of wisdom is the fear of God. It's you saying, I know he's always seeing me, watching me. So how am I, how am I going to uh, conduct myself in his presence?
3: Mm -hmm.
1: And there's people watching me right now or listening to me right now, I should say on the podcast that I would, I would like to pray because um, you might be feeling right now, even the conviction of the Holy spirit as we're talking about this stuff, knowing your life is not in that place where it should be. Uh, Maybe you, you feel like, uh, you know, my secret place is consumed with things that are displeasing to God. And as you're listening to the podcast, I want to pray for you at the end. And, and f- in fact, I would encourage you to pray a prayer with me, a prayer of repentance. Because let me tell you something Jesus is coming soon, the rapture will take place, the people of God will be gone. And if you're not ready, that's the most dangerous place you could be. Uh, As Bishop David Oyedepo in Nigeria says, if you're not saved, you're not safe. If you're not saved, you're not safe. Jesus is coming. And so I want to encourage you, those of you that are listening, if you're not ready, if you know there are things in your life that are displeasing to God, I want you to pray this prayer with me right now before we do anything else. Father, in Jesus' name, forgive me for my sin. Make me new and give me the power to live for you for the rest of my life until I die or until you come. I confess Jesus is Lord. I believe you raised him from the dead. From this day forward, I am a new person. Amen. Listen, Amen. if Amen. you prayed Amen. that prayer with me, I want you to do me a favor. Jordan, how can they get in contact to make sure they have next steps available to them.
0: All right. So the easiest way is going to, to go ahead and DM us on Instagram, which is going to be the next.tv. So mm-hmm. the t h yeah. t h e n x t.tv, or on yeah. Facebook, as well as if you'd like to reach same us by tag. email, it's going yeah. to be the exact same tag, uh, info at the next. Spelt the same way is going to be our um our Gmail address or email and address. And I'd
1: like to give you a free gift as well. And here's how I'd like to do it. If you'll go to MiracleWord.com, MiracleWord.com, there's a button right there that says, I just got saved. And if you click that button that says, I just got saved, there's just a little form you can fill out. I want to send you a gift and give you uh, some suggestions, next steps. We'll even give you a free Bible reading plan, uh, things to equip you and prepare you for what God has planned in your life. You would not have a baby. And throw it out into the woods and hope they find a family that will raise them. And Mm -hmm. in the same way, when you get saved and become a new, uh, part of the new birth, you're a new person in Christ. The church is there to help you grow in the things of God. And that's what we're doing. That's what discipleship is. Mm -hmm. We want to see you succeed in your life with Christ and not fail and fall back into the same problems as you had before. Congratulations. It's a new place. It's literally a new life. The Bible says the old life is gone. New life has begun.
0: Yeah,
2: amen. It's an exciting journey,
0: that's for sure. It's
1: the best, and you don't yeah. have to do the line. That's the coolest no, part. Absolutely, well, of course. That's alone. that's the support part of it. Is the body of Christ is here for each other. You know, raising one another up. That's the important part. Yeah, fantastic, absolutely. guys. Thank you for
0: listening, Ted. Thanks for thanks for joining us. This, Absolutely, this was a was lot of fun. fun. We got love you guys for sure. For this sure, man. Can't be the last time. Maybe, no. maybe it is. I don't know. I don't uh, know. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> we'll <laughs> see. See, see. what the reviews look like. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, we'll, we'll wait first. If now. we don't have at least three thousand dollar seeds at the end of this, <laughs> and Those a sign, and a signed bottle of
1: holy water, <laughs> 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 it's very hard to sign water. I'll tell you that. I've tried it it. Yeah, hard. I imagine that would be I not, actually, not I got it
0: different. right. I'll, I'll show you it's in my room.
1: <laughs> you got it right?
2: <laughs> it's on my,
0: Matt helped me with his toes, actually. Nasty. Matt, Matt, I love
1: you, and I love the music you write and the way you sing, but brother, I don't want to see your feet. <laughs> That's it's just bottom line. I'll just turn the lights off. Yeah, I mean, listen, yeah. for those of you that are watching, maybe you grew up in church, this might make me a bad Christian. It might make me a disobedient Christian. I can't tell, but all I want to say is this, I don't ever, I have never, and I don't ever want to participate in a foot washing service ever (laughs) in my life. I know I'm humble. I promise you I I'm walking humility and meekness. I love my brothers and my sisters in Christ wash your own feet. Okay? Ted, Ted's
0: foot washing service would be like no. they go to a car wash in a convertible and they That's just right. flip people upside down. Yes.
1: yes. I will have to have an armor bearer to do that for me. I cannot touch your feet. God bless you. I know God has a plan for your life. Wash your own feet. <laughs>
0: That's great. All right, guys. Well, thank you for listening. We are the next. We're here to inspire, equip, and expand the kingdom of God. Until next time, have a great day. And that's the stuff leaders should be made (laughs) of.